You know, usually when you go buy something over the counter, you're picking it up and you're paying for it out of your pocket versus if it's prescribed by a physician, oftentimes a pharmacy may be running your insurance prior to getting that medication. And so I think in terms of thinking about advocacy and access, um, we are also still, you know, from a professional society and hopefully, you know, uh, reproductive advocates kind of across the country are thinking about and looking at how do we ensure that people still financially have access to this medication and that there's still insurance coverage, despite the fact that an individual isn't going to their physician for a prescription, um, because we wouldn't want cost to be a new barrier if people would have otherwise had coverage. In July, the United States Food and Drug Administration approved a birth control pill for over-the-counter use, meaning most consumers could buy it from a pharmacy without a prescription from a doctor. The pill will likely be available sometime in 2024. To learn more about the progestin-only birth control that's approved for over-the-counter use, I talked with Dr. Amy Domeyer-Klinsky. We discussed how the pill works, important safety considerations for people to know, and the remaining questions about how birth control without a prescription might affect availability and access for people in the U.S. Dr. Domeyer Klinsky is an obstetrician gynecologist, director of the UW-OBGYN Division of Academic Specialists in OBGYN, and president of the Wisconsin section of the American College of OBGYNs. From the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, I'm Jackie Askins, and this is the Women's Health Cast. I am very excited to welcome Dr. Amy Domeyer-Klinsky to the Women's Health Cast for her first episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Woohoo! Thanks for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Um, today, we are going to talk about uh, FDA approval for over-the-counter birth control. I'm really excited to learn more about that. But before we get sort of into that topic. Can you tell me a little bit about your role here in the department, your day job, and why patients come to see you? Yeah. So I am a uh, general OBGYN physician here at University of Wisconsin, and I also serve as the director of our division of academic specialists in obstetrics and gynecology. That group of folks is just really great um, individuals who see patients for all types of sort of regular gynecologic and obstetric care, prenatal care, et cetera, um, but with that academic specialty component that encompasses work that we do in research and education and providing really great um, training for our residents and medical students. So, um, you know, we see all comers for, for uh, OBGYN care, but also have an added layer of responsibility in terms of what we're doing to advance um, gynecologic and obstetric healthcare, as well as education for our trainees. So today we're talking about over-the-counter birth control. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration recently approved one particular kind of birth control for over-the-counter use. Um, to start with, can you tell me what, what does over-the-counter mean? Yeah. So over-the-counter means you can go to a pharmacy and pick it up like we pick up ibuprofen or various heartburn medications. Um, the, probably the closest analog that people may have noticed or had experience with is picking up um, emergency contraception, which is also available over-the-counter, such as Plan B. Um, things like condoms are available over-the-counter. That's something that you know has really kind of been the mainstay of pregnancy prevention for people just to pick something up at the pharmacy. And now this expands the options for pregnancy prevention over-the-counter access provided by providing a pill. So I can 
walk in, navigate the aisles, pick out what I want and kind of take it out of the store with me after I pay, obviously. Um, how is that different from how birth control has been typically provided in the U.S. in the past? Yeah. So m- probably what many or most folks have been uh, comfortable with or familiar with in the past is uh, prescription contraception that has been accessed through their doctor's office. So that means a person would have to go to a doc. You know, historically, a person would have to physically walk into a doctor's office meet with a physician and um, talk to them about all of their options and then get a prescription for birth control that they would later take to the pharmacy and have it filled. And then they would have access to their contraception uh, via the pill. There are other, um, you know, certainly that you could find online or in other areas, different various like telehealth options. So I do think the the like access points by which people in our country are accessing contraception have changed even over the last few years. Um, but for the most part, it's prescription-based contraception when accessing the pill. So in particular, the FDA has approved one type of progestin-only contraceptive pill. Um, how does this particular type of birth control pill work to prevent pregnancy? Yeah, so the the method by which it prevents pregnancy is it thickens the cervical mucus. So Someone would ingest the pill, and then that would kind of go through their GI tract, and 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 you would have uh, appropriate enough levels that it would end up thickening cervical mucus, which would prevent sperm and egg from meeting, as the primary function for preventing pregnancy. Okay. How effective is this kind of pill? Yeah. So, and it's important to know that this is not a new pill. This is not a new method that we've never seen before. This is something that's been used for many years that many people may already be on or that they may be, you know, um, uh, have a very similar type pill prescribed to them by a doctor. Um, the packaging and the naming of the medication is a bit different, but this is not like a brand new medication. We have uh, many years of experience prescribing this medication and having fit people use it. When we think of effectiveness, we often talk about what is perfect use, meaning if I, and I often say to people, if I were a robot and I, you know, didn't have everything else going on in my day in terms of my, you know, schedule and life and other food or, you know, medications or other things that I was ingesting, I never got sick and had nausea, vomiting, all of these kinds of things. If I were an absolute perfect user, we think about the effectiveness of the pill really being about 98%. We talk, though, and when we think about like prescribing birth control and counseling to our patients, well, what does a typical user look like? And the hope being that, you know, I I always strive to be perfect and, you know, have not always made it, but a typical user may forget to take their pill at the same time every day, may not use a backup method when it's recommended, may be taking other medications that interact with that medication. And so a typical user, there have been some reports that it's as effective as like 93%. So more than likely in the real world, the effectiveness is going to be somewhere in that range between 93 and 98%, depending on what study you look at and the um, makeup of the people that are involved in the study. I think I want to ask then what's important for people to know about how to take this particular kind of pill. Like you mentioned in in a perfect use scenario, I'm taking it at the same time every day. I'm using a backup method if I've deviated from that schedule. Um, is it very important with a progestin-only pill 
to have a really strict schedule for taking it. Yeah, because the the method of this pill in terms of how it prevents pregnancy is the thickening of the cervical mucus. It actually has the, the recommended window in which you take the pill at the same time every day is three hours. So if somebody, you know, is taking their pill every day at 9 a.m. and then one day they sleep in till one o'clock and they miss their pill or forget it until later in the day, it's recommended that they use a backup method. So condoms, emergency contraception, if they have unprotected intercourse, for example, those types of things. That is different than some of our other birth control pills, so uh, like a two-hormone method, estrogen and progesterone, how that works is to prevent ovulation. And so it has a little bit longer window in which if people forget it, it's still considered effective. So that would, I would say, be one of the primary important things for people to know if and when they're taking this medication is you really want to be able to set an alarm or have some type of you know reminder so that you are taking it as close to the same time as possible every single day. And if you're missing it within that three-hour window, to be extra cautious using a backup method. Again, condoms, emergency contraception, something like that. When someone starts a progesterone-only method, how quickly is it effective? Yeah. So it depends on when in your cycle you're taking it. Um, We typically think about things like the quick start method, which is starting a medication as soon as you get it, versus like waiting to start the medication, for instance, with your period. Um, If you're taking that medication right away when you're getting your period, it's going to be effective right away, like before you would have ovulation, for example. But if it's more than five days after the start of your period, you're really going to want to use a backup method. Um, Condoms, emergency contraception, again, if you'd already had unprotected sex within 72 hours. Um, And then then you would, I I typically tell people a week. (laughs) Um, And so uh, using that backup method, if you're using sort of that quick start again. So if you're more than five days from the start of your period, starting it, but then having a backup method until it really gets, it gets going for you. So you mentioned a little bit uh, about two hormone methods. Mm -hmm. Um, So some other birth control pills that we think of are combined estrogen and progestin. They work a little bit differently. Um, And I know for those, there are some, um, I would say maybe safety considerations or like uh, health conditions people might have that might make them not a great fit for estrogen containing birth control, Mm -hmm. like migraines or blood clots or things like that. Um, why, why was a progestin only option considered safe for use without a prescription? Does it have any uh, sort of safety indications that people should know about whether this might work for them? Yeah. So this is a really safe medication. You know, it's important to also like to separate safety from side effects because, you know, just because a medication is safe doesn't mean it isn't possible that it could have side effects. And so some common side effects, for example, are one of the most common reasons why a person may start this method and decide it's not for them is at like irregular or unscheduled bleeding being a common thing we see, for example. Um, however, that's not something that generally presents like a safety concern in terms of, you know, putting people in the hospital or causing more severe medical problems. And so for the most part, progesterone only medications are really, really safe, and there are few contra and like absolute contraindications for use. 
And it's also important to remember that the alternative potentially for some individuals could be pregnancy. And there are all kinds of hormone shifts that happen during pregnancy that also could impact people's risk for certain conditions. So when we're sort of on the flip side, talking about the two hormone pill, the estrogen and progesterone pill that has both the risk of blood clots taking a two-hormone pill is actually a lot less than the risk of blood clots for someone who becomes pregnant. So we want to kind of think about, well, what are the risks of an individual pill? But also, if that pill is helping a person prevent pregnancy, are the risks lower, for example, with the method, the pill, compared to the alternative, which again could be pregnancy if someone became pregnant, particularly in a situation where they didn't want to be. You know, usually if somebody um, wants to be pregnant, we're trying to help them prepare to be the healthiest they can be leading up to it. And not everybody has, you know, gotten to that place where they're ready for pregnancy, either, either socially, emotionally, but also physically in terms of their medical health. Um, the progesterone-only pill really has few um, Um, contraindications. Certainly folks who are actively undergoing treatment for breast cancer um, may talk to their their breast oncologist and may not be appropriate for taking hormonal birth control. There are certain patients that may be taking medications that could interact with the birth control pill and make it less effective. So it's really important to read the package information on whatever birth control you're starting, have a talk with your doctor, particularly if you are taking other medications that could interact to make sure that it's the right method for you. So you mentioned that there are relatively few medical reasons someone shouldn't use progestin-only birth control, but I'm just curious, like if I'm picking this up from the pharmacy without a prescription, how do I evaluate if I have any contraindications or any reasons that this method wouldn't be safe for me? How can I tell um, in the pharmacy if I am a good candidate for using this kind of pill? You know, they're all over-the-counter medications have contraindications. For example, patients who have stomach ulcers probably shouldn't be taking ibuprofen. People who have liver disease shouldn't be taking Tylenol. But that doesn't prevent the wider swath of the population from accessing these you know, run-of-the-mill medications that we use every single day from accessing them. And I think the other thing to sort of think about or know is that they've looked at, well, you know, if a regular person is just heading to the store and thinking, is this, you know, is this okay for me, that people are able to generally look at and understand the package instructions with the birth control pill that is available over the counter to determine for themselves if that's an option for them to take or not. Um, And so, you know, I think this being a new thing in the U.S. as far as um, over-the-counter access has a lot of individuals nervous or scared, but remembering that we do this all the time in terms of other medications and listing contraindications on the packaging. And again, thinking about, well, if the alternative being pregnancy, which, which of these things is riskier for an individual? And often, you know, pregnancy certainly being something we love to take care of in OBGYN that is just this really exciting and delightful thing in many people's lives. But for some people, for many circumstances, and, and, and certainly in terms of medical circumstances, it may not be the right choice for them. And in many circumstances, the progesterone-only birth control is safer, for example, than pregnancy. Um, what ages is a pill like this appropriate for? 
Yeah. So really the pill is appropriate for anyone who doesn't want to be pregnant, who could become pregnant. Um, there isn't a different dosage for people of young age versus people of older age. Um, and so if an individual doesn't want to get pregnant, but would otherwise have the capacity to become pregnant, then this is a good option for them. Um, there's not any specific age restrictions from the medication. I also wanted to ask about um, postpartum use for this particular medication. Uh, a, a common concern, I think, about maybe starting birth control after um, giving birth, after being pregnant, is if it's safe to use while breastfeeding. And I wondered if what we know about progesterone-only pills and breastfeeding. Yeah. So this is actually one of the most common uses for this medication as for individuals who are breastfeeding. Um, historically, progesterone-only medications, whether pill, Depo-Provera, which is an injection, um, implants or IUDs, things that don't have estrogen, historically have been the methods that have been most commonly used in the breastfeeding population. That doesn't mean that other methods aren't appropriate for breastfeeding, but those, I would say, fall into the most common group of medications used for breastfeeding individuals. Um, and, you know, so really this would be a great option. You know, and often I have people say, oh, my goodness, I'm concerned again about will this medication impact my milk supply or um, impact the baby in any way if I'm breastfeeding? And, you know, certainly, you know, there have been studies that have looked at this that have shown that it's safe, that there's not any, um, like, negative impact on the infant. And again, if we think about if you're at risk for pregnancy, the alternative being potentially that you could become pregnant again while you're breastfeeding, um, that pregnancy would also have impacts on milk supply and tends to decrease an individual's milk supply. So progesterone-only medications are really commonly used in breastfeeding individuals, safe to use, and um, would be totally fine for an individual to pick up over the counter or get a prescription from their doctor. Do we have a sense of approximately when this pill might be available for over-the-counter use? Yeah, my impression is that it's kind of held up right now just in terms of like manufacturing, distribution, all of those sorts of things. Um, so it sounds like from what I'm looking at maybe next year, but I don't have an exact timeline or date. That's the same I was reading sometime in 2024, but there are some things that still need to be ironed out and figured out. What could over-the-counter approval mean for access for people with this type of birth control? How could this affect people's experience of getting birth control? Yeah. So for me, anytime, if I just want to go buy something, if I can go to the store and buy it without having an additional barrier of making scheduling an appointment, attending that appointment getting a prescription, then having to go to the pharmacy, there are like way more steps in terms of accessing the medication through sort of that traditional means compared to just going to the store and pick it up. Um, you know, I think a lot of times folks think about, well, but what about people's, you know, you know people still need to get health care. What about their pap smears? What about their you know, sexually transmitted infection testing. And all of that is important, but, it, you know, it also is really important to recognize that that these two things need to be unmarried. People still need to go to the doctor or their nurse practitioner or midwife or whoever it is to get their general health care to be well overall. 
but you don't need to have an up-to-date pap in order to prevent pregnancy. Um, and so we still want folks going and visiting their doctor's office, but it shouldn't be like a like mandatory requirement in order for them to um, help prevent pregnancy in the same way that we don't like mandate people have to go to their doctor in order to get ibuprofen for their headaches. Um, so though, you know, kind of unmarrying those two, I think is a good thing. Um, so access over the counter would mean it would be easier for people to just go pick it up when they need it. A, a challenge that could happen with this, however, is thinking about insurance coverage. So, you know, usually when you go buy something over the counter, you're picking it up and you're paying for it out of your pocket versus if it's prescribed by a physician, oftentimes a pharmacy may be running your insurance prior to getting that medication. And so I think in terms of thinking about advocacy and access, um, we are also still, you know, from a professional society and hopefully, you know, uh, reproductive advocates kind of across the country are thinking about and looking at how do we ensure that people still financially have access to this medication and that there's still insurance coverage despite the fact that an individual isn't going to their physician for a prescription um, because we wouldn't want cost to be a new barrier if people would have otherwise had coverage. Yeah, that makes sense. So an improvement in availability, but still some open questions about what it really means for individuals on a day-to-day basis to be able to really access Mm -hmm. the pills. We've only been talking about this one particular type of pill because that's the pill that's been most recently approved for over-the-counter use. But do you see a future where other options are also available in this kind of way? Estrogen-containing options, the patch, things that people can do by themselves. Yeah. So there is, and and our professional organization, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, does support over-the-counter access to birth control, not just through the progesterone-only method. There are more um, like reasons why people shouldn't take estrogen-containing birth control, for example, migraine headaches, history of blood clots, those types of things. But it is still something that has been shown, for example, in other countries that you can like quickly look at a questionnaire, kind of determine, do I meet or not meet these like health limitations and and determine independently if you could take that medication. And so I do think in the future, there could be other options if, you know, FDA approval could be obtained or um, through, you know, different state uh, action. For example, here in Wisconsin, um, there is a a bill that is being circulated um, that would allow for pharmacist-prescribed contraception that would include some of those estrogen-containing methods in addition to the progesterone-only methods. So, for example, you could then, if this bill were to become law, go to a pharmacy, fill out a questionnaire have a blood pressure screening and get access just by visiting the pharmacy rather than going to your physician's office. This is something that hasn't passed yet, but certainly is something that as obstetrician gynecologists, we're excited about because again, wanting people to have access to birth control, knowing that this is a safe medication for the vast majority of the population and really helping people to be you know, owners of their own reproductive future, being pregnant and building that family when you want to and when you're ready to, but if you're not ready for it, at least having options or, or ways to safely take, uh, to utilize contraception safely, um, that would allow you um, sort of choice over when when you become pregnant and when you want to start your family. I feel like that 
is such an important option for filling in some I would say care gaps that we have, especially in our state. We can look at a map of our state and see a handful of counties, especially in more rural areas, um, that no longer have OBGYN healthcare providers. We don't have OBGYN physicians in a handful of counties. Um, unfortunately, it's kind of a trend. Um, but I know many more Americans are within a you know ten mile radius of a pharmacy right. than a physician. So I right. can see this having an important place in filling in some some gaps that we have in our healthcare system right now. Exactly. And I think, you know, for this particular legislation in Wisconsin, what's exciting about it is it's bipartisan. There's, you know, so much of of OBGYN right now feels really divided in terms of politics. And you have, you know, individuals from particularly from um, rural counties, uh, legislators from those areas who also are, you know, Republicans who are really excited and championing this legislation. And we are really excited to partner with them. Um, so, you know, I think this is just such a great opportunity for us to think about how people access care, how people get the care they need. And exactly as you said, what pieces of our healthcare system do we have where? And right now with pharmacies being a lot more accessible in various places, um, having that be a great entry point for people accessing different options for contraception. What else do you think it's the most important for people to know about this medication, about what this new availability could mean? You know, again, I think when this kind of thing comes up, you have a lot of people that are really excited about change and a lot of people that are nervous or hesitant about change. And that nervousness and hesitation exists even within the OBGYN community. Not, you know, not all of us are 100% united or, or in agreement on, on, you know, like increasing over-the-counter access, for example. But what I would say is OBGYNs, nurse midwives, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, like all the great people that provide family doctors, uh, internal medicine doctors. I mean, there's so many folks, pediatricians, right? There's all kinds of people in Wisconsin and across the country that are providing really great health care. And so this is just one extra way of providing access to folks um, for, for helping to plan their families. But as I you know, mentioned before, we, um, we want individuals to still get their regular health care screenings to make sure that they're well, to think about, you know, things like their weight and their blood pressure and what medications they're taking. And so this doesn't replace a visit uh, to your healthcare uh, practitioner's office, but it enhances it in terms of we don't have to, you know, you wouldn't necessarily, if you wanted to take this particular medication, you wouldn't have some of those additional barriers to getting yourself there. And we also, I will say another thing, sometimes we think about this progesterone-only pill as a bridge, right? So some individuals may think, well, gosh, I really want to start a contraceptive method, uh, but maybe an IUD is more right for me. Well, I call my doctor's office and, you know, it might take me a little bit to get in. I need this contraception right now. Um, remembering emergency contraception is over the counter um, and is, you know, can be used within three days of unprotected sex. But if somebody's even thinking ahead, they may be able to start a progesterone-only pill 
for a period of time until they get their appointment and then potentially decide on a different method. So this doesn't have to be the one and only method that a person uses forever. There's a lot of different ways people use birth control. And some for some individuals, this might be a great bridge for them until they are able to meet with someone to think about a different method that may or may not be right for them. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Women's Health Cast. It was a real pleasure. Yeah, it's just really, again, delightful to be here. Thanks for having me. The Women's Health Cast is a production of the UWSMPH Department of OBGYN. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can find the Women's Health Cast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find the UW Department of OBGYN on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the handle at WISCOBGYN. Let us know how we're doing. Rate and review us in your podcast app and let us know what health issues you'd like to learn about at the link on our podcast page. Thanks for listening.